You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Father in heaven, thanks for your goodness, your loving kindness, and um, Lord, I uh, pray that you bless this time. I thank you for our kids, and pray, Lord, that you would give us a vision that, um, you know, in leading our kids, that uh, glorifies you and that sets us free. And so we trust you, Lord, and ask these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so class we've been doing, um, we have been talking about, um, we've been talking about uh, understanding our kids. And so basically, this is fancy word would be, this is a book, then a class, like a, this is a six-week series on what you call biblical anthropology. Biblical anthropology is basically, what is it the Bible has to say about humanity? And so a lot of times, you know, with our kids, you know, like we have a tough time understanding them, we have a tough time leading them. We don't know how to respond to some of their behavior. Um, and a lot of it is because we have expectations of who they are as people that's like inconsistent with reality. You know, we're like so surprised that they, you know, want to defy us. <laughs> um, we're so surprised that they are, you know, attracted to sin. Um, or, you know, just all kinds of things. And so, and, and, and so with that being said, like, um, when we kind of understand what the Bible says about humanity, it really helps us to lead and guide our kids and to understand them and be more patient with them. And so that's kind of what we're going for in this. And so if you, were, if you want to kind of look at, break biblical anthropology down into two different sides, you, you would, you'd use the words dignity and depravity. Dignity describes how, this is kind of review, but dignity describes how they're made in the image of God. Um, they're made with purpose. Uh, they're made with dignity and they're made as sacred. Um, and, uh, and, and so, and they have inherent worth because they're made in the image of God. So it's kind of like the nice and good stuff. And we, we're actually going to be on the, on the dignity side today. And depravity just talks about the sinfulness, like the, the spiritual poverty, the, the, the natural inclination to, um, to rebel against the Lord and to kind of want to do our own thing. And so, um, so today what we're going to look at is we're going to look at how our kids are made for a purpose. Like our, our kids are made for a certain way, uniquely by the Lord, for a purpose in his world. And how when we kind of get on board with that and we accept that, it can be just, just one of the most beautiful life-giving parts of being a parent is seeing, you know, uh, it says in Ephesians uh, 2.10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for them to do. That word workmanship has an artistic connotation. It's that of, uh, it's, uh, I think the, well, in the yeah, in the Latin translation of the Bible, the Vulgate, it's poema, um, which is kind of like a work of art. Um, and so with that being said, it's like as you kind of see your child grow and evolve um, and, you know, to see like the work of art that the Lord has made in your child and to know that um, and to see that that is something that's like beautiful and wonderful. And it's something that's inspiring because it's a reflection of who God has made them to be in the world. Um, and so we're going to look at that. And so I'll say one thing I see parents um, struggle with and create, that creates a lot of anxiety is like their kids' extracurricular activities. And, um, and I think in particular, or, or kind of like resume building, that seems to be kind of the, where everything is pointed amongst suburban parents. That's the research kind of indicates that, that so much of the um, stress and anxiety that parents and kids feel and, and all the overscheduling, most of it is pointed towards this sense of pressure that parents feel to help their child build the best resume possible. So they get into the best college and they get the best job and so on and so forth. And, um, 
And so what we're going to look at today is uh, the way we're going to understand our kids and their calling and their, their place and purpose in the world it really sets us free from a lot of that. Because um, uh, a lot of that tends to be very operating out of fear, operating out of uh, uh, claiming responsibility to try to provide for ourselves, um, and, uh, and out, of, out of comparison, um, and under the law. You know, under the law, like there's the standard, and we've got to get to that standard, and it's my job to get there. That's the law that's antithetical to the gospel. And so, um, and so I really think that when we, uh, what we're going to talk about today can really give us a lot of relief when it comes to the direction that our kids are going. And so the big thing we'll see is that understanding what the Bible says about humanity, well, sorry, um, the, big, the big picture of what we're going to talk about today, and we're going to look at a lot of scripture, is how, um, is how we want to first off just conceive of our child as, or perceive of our child as a, someone who is made in the image of God um, for a purpose in the world. And, you know, and that's God's purpose, and it's his call. And so, uh, and so with that being said, we're not worried so much. We're not, we don't feel this pressure to get them there. It's more a matter of walking alongside your child and seeing where God is calling them. Where is it the Lord is calling them? How is it, and, and, and the way that God made your child uniquely speaks to that. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to think about this in terms of the image of God and calling. All right, so... Um, Let's start at the beginning. That's a very good place to start, to quote Julie Andrews. Uh, Genesis 1, 26 through 31. So we're at the beginning, we're at the creation story. And, um, and so now we're at the part where God makes man. And I'm going to read this, and this is just really, really rich. So uh, starting verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over the creeping things that creep on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit, he shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so, and God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. Okay, so we're going to use a couple of big words, um, but I'm going to define the big words. And so when you see here, you know, as God is making creation, after he makes something, he says, and it was good. So here, after he makes humanity, he says it was very good. So when we hear this word good, uh, we, can, we tend to think of the word good in ethical terms, like this person is morally good. Um, what we see here is that um, there's a second layer in which we think about goodness that is talked about here in Genesis 1, and that is what you'd call at an ontological level. That means ontology is the, the study or the theology of essence or being. And so here's what, that, here's the, well, forget, the, forget the vocabulary, here's the point. The point is, it's like, because a person is created in the image of God, they have inherent dignity and worth. They are sacred. And so, um, yeah, we talk about this a lot, but this is, this is kind of the basis, this is one of the primary basis of, of life, particularly life in the West. Like, 
Why is it that we care so much about what's going on in the Ukraine? We've never met any of those people. We care because those people are sacred. Every single one of them is sacred. They're made in the image of God. And so as a result of that, like for something that is sacred and has dignity and worth to be attacked and violated and desecrated, that inherently breaks our heart because we know that that life is sacred and important. And so that's, that was what we would call ontological goodness. And so on one level, um, as God has made, made mankind, and as we think about our children, like something that we want to affirm a lot is that our children are, they have dignity. You know, they have worth that is given to them, that is inherent and intrinsic to the fact that God made them in his image and in his likeness. Okay, well, there's another level of this goodness um, that is, here's another fancy word, teleological. Teleology is theology or the philosophy of, of order and design for purpose, right? So, um, yeah, so like if we're looking at something at a teleological level, we're looking at, huh, how was this designed? Why was it designed this way? For what function and purpose? It has, teleology has a lot to do with functionality. And so, um, and so with that being said, another aspect of, an, like, I would say on, on, up on the same level as the, the like ontological goodness is the teleological goodness of humanity. So when God, when we look at how, and I'll get into this more in a second, as God makes mankind, um, he makes them with a purpose and a function in the world. And he says, that is good. Like that is good. I have made them this way. The design is good. The purpose is good. The function is good. And so you're going to see so much of that element of the goodness in this section right here. So first off, when you look at verse 26, when it says that made in our image, so I, you know, I've, I've talked about this a lot, but being made in the image of God, if you look at that term to be a, um, an image bearer um, in the ancient Near Eastern context in which Genesis 1 is written, um, a person who operated in the image of the king, there was, a, there was a king, he had a big territory, and that territory was broken down into like counties, so to speak, and so since the king could not reign over, couldn't effectively govern territory that was 100 miles away, he would have a person who operated in his image. And so that person was like the governor of that piece of the land, and they had authority um, and a responsibility to be a good steward and to keep it in order and so on and so forth. And so they were operating in the image of the king. So as, with that being said, when we talk about mankind being made in the image of God, part of that is we're made in his likeness. You know, we have affinities and characteristics that are like God, the way that we're relational, we have a will, we're creative, things like that. Um, it also speaks to like, you know, God is holy and sacred. We're made in his image, we're, we're, we're sacred. Um, uh, not on the same level as God, um, but you know, but we do have dignity and worth. Um, but there's also that functional part that we were made in the image, like God gives us all a little bit of territory, you know, a little bit of territory. And, um, and within that territory, God has given us authority to be a good steward of the relationships and the work and, you know, the, the, the things around us. So that's, this is, this is a really, um, I think this is a really life-giving thing to think about uh, and very meaningful, it brings meaning to any life. You know, your territory might be you work in a pharmacy or you stay at home or you work in a clothing store or you're an interior designer or you're a doctor or whatever it is. And wherever, you know, wherever you are, like that's part of the, the, the territory that the Lord has given you to be an image bearer. 
and, um, and to be a good steward of that territory. So that means that all work, um, all work is, is, you know, is meaningful and has a purpose in God's economy. And that translates down to our kids as well. So like you, what your child is doing at school, learning math, learning English, like that they're, they're in that territory. Like this is the call that the Lord has given them there. Um, what are they doing in their extracurriculars? Like that is, that has value. That has value in God's economy um, because that's part of the territory that the Lord has given them to be a good steward of. Um, and so then you can see that God says, you know, in verse 28, it says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish in the sea. And if we went over into chapter two, you'd see one more part. This is what we call the creational mandate. The creational mandate is basically like in creation, kind of the three basic things that God has called people to do at a functional level. Uh, one, be fruitful, multiply, like have kids, have families, raise your kids to, to know and love the Lord. Um, uh, be a steward of creation, like subdue, have dominion. That's to, you know, whatever, whatever the place is that God has called you to work and to live and have your being, like to, to be faithful there, you know? And, um, and then finally, Sabbath worship. That's the third part of the creational mandate. And so, um, and so with that being said, like, uh, you know, your child is made with certain gifts, certain talents, certain affinities and interests, and those are indicative of the territory. I, I don't know if I, yeah, indicative of the territory that God has given them to live in and to serve and to love and to honor and glorify the Lord. And so, um, and so, we're getting to this more in the next text, but, but I think the big point here is that um, your child's life is made with a purpose. And, um, and that's what it means. That's part of what it means for them to be an image bearer. And so uh, we'll, we'll get into this more in a second. And so part of, part of learning and being with them and seeing where they have gifts and where they have interests and affinities and so on and so forth that's part of discovering the territory that God has called them to, um, the place that God has called to, to glorify them. So you can see this is a big shift in the conversation as it pertains to like extracurriculars and how you spend your time and stuff like that. So we're gonna get to that in a second. We're, now let's move on to 1 Peter chapter 4, verses one through 10. Um, so in this, what we're gonna see here is, in Peter, there's this verse that we're really gonna land on. I'm just gonna skip to that and then we'll, we'll, we'll kind of work backwards. But uh, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And so, um, the, you know, this is, this is going to be kind of like central text of this lesson, but, you know, we see what are the gifts that your child have has. And those gifts are not they are for our pleasure. Like we do enjoy that. Like if your child really likes to play the guitar and, and is good at that or really loves to play baseball and is really good at that or play golf, whatever it may be, or like school, reading, doing crafts, whatever the thing is, um, then that's a gift. That's a gift from the Lord. And so it is for our pleasure, but it is also for the sake of loving and serving the people around us. And it's ultimately for glorifying the Lord. Uh, that's a different way of thinking than how, how the world typically conceives of our gifts. Let's, look at, let's go back to the beginning here, to, um, to, chapter, to verse 1. Um, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves 
with the same way of thinking. Okay, so think in the same, on the same plane that Jesus thinks. Think, think in biblical terms about, about life. For whoever suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. So now we're living for God's glory. Now we're seeking God's will and purpose in our life. And so you can see he's setting up this contrast between the way the world thinks and the way that the believer in Christ lives. And so the, um, verse 3, it says, For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. Um, with respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. Um, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Um, so, so, basically, I think when it comes to the, these conversations about our kids and their gifts, the way the world tends to think and emphasize is like, what does my child have? Sorry, in, in our culture. What does my child have that's going to enable them to make as much money as possible, to be as secure as possible, and to look good, you know, to have some, to have some status. It's impressive, right? I, I was so funny. So I have a lot of Asian American friends through my work with Rooted. And, um, and so I can remember my first seminary class, there was this uh, Chinese American guy and he was a doctor. And so he, um, uh, he said, he's such a sweet person. He goes, I um, told my parents when I was going to college that I wanted to be an English major and I wanted to teach English and I wanted to write poetry and da 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 and all this kind of stuff. And, um, and he says, and my parents did what any Chinese American parent would do. They said, oh son, that is so sweet. You will be a doctor, a banker, or a lawyer. <laughs> and it was hilarious because like the white people in the room were kind of like, ah, and the Asian American people in the room were like, ah, and they were just like dying, they were laughing so hard. Because you know, that is, and so that is, that's a pretty typical immigrant mentality. Um, that, you know, for a lot of immigrant families who came here, particularly uh, Chinese Americans, they came, they came, you know, they, a lot of them escaped the cultural revolution of communism. You know, they came to the United States, they may have been secure in China or in Korea, but here in the United States, they were poor and they had to, they had to work really, 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 really hard and everything was about helping their kid get a better op opportunity because they, were, they came out of so much insecurity that what they want for their children is financial security. And so, with that being said, it's, it's like a, it's a real struggle in an Asian American family that kids feel is this pressure of like, you will do whatever makes you the most money, and you will do, you know, and you will do whatever gives you the most security, and what looks good to our friends. That's, that's very big and a shame on our culture. And so, um, and so a lot of times that's, that tends to be from the world what, what, what we all hear um, is basically like, hey, my child is, uh, really likes to read and they're really logical, lawyer. Uh, my child is like artistic and creative, graphic designer, marketing, you know, whatever. And, and so, oh, they're good at math, investment banker, accountant, da, da, da. And hey, that's all good, you know? I mean, that, that, like we said, that, that may be where God calls them. That might be the territory. But my, my, thinking, my, my point in this is to say is like, as a believer, we kind of think in different terms. Like we like we think in terms of, and we'll see that a little more here, we think more in terms of like, well, what is the Lord calling them to? Like, what is, what, where is the place that God desires for them to love and serve the people around them? Where is it that they're going to glorify God? And so, um, so, 
So he says in verse 6, for, for this is why the gospel is preached even to those who are dead, that though, I, though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. So living, you know, living our life uh, in faithfulness and submission to the Lord. And so then he starts to drop into what is different, like what is different about the way that we think and the way that we contrast. So first says, verse 7, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. So like wherever your child is, like one of these central things in parenting is we want to raise kids of character. We want to raise kids who are humble and loving and kind and they're servants so that wherever they are, you know, if they're a baseball coach, if they're in college, if they're on a youth group trip, that they're the kid who cleans up the bus. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, 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 but I'm saying like we do, we want to raise kids of character. We want to raise kids of character so that no matter what they're doing, like the, the, the people can see the glory of God in their life. So that's the first part of that. Second, above all, keeping loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each of you received a gift, use it to serve one another as stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so we can see that the point of these gifts and the talents that the Lord has given your child is for the sake of loving and serving the people around them. So like, let's say you, you might have a, it's funny, like my wife is five foot four. Uh, I think she weighs like 27 pounds. Um, I, am, uh, uh, I am six foot five and north of 230. I'm not gonna say how much north. And so with that being said, like, hey, we could have some huge kids or we could have some petite kids, you know? Who knows? But, you know, like, we, so all that to say, like, you could have a child, that, sorry, this is going to be very much camera cold channeling his, his southernness, but you could have a child, it's a boy, they're big, they're really tall, they have a thick frame like I do, and they've got great feet, unlike me. And it's like, hey, you know what, your child, and their child is physical, you know, really physical, and it just might be that that child likes to play football. And that child is going to be an offensive line group, or the defensive line group. We'll just say that hypothetically. Okay, so that means, let's say your child, you know, does that from seventh grade on to high school. So that means you're, you know, if, 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 if you've ever played sports, you know that certain groups, like, they have a bond. The offensive linemen, they, they hang together. Defensive line, they hang together. They're in all these meetings together. So, like, based on the way that your child was made, large, great feet, physical, and has an interest and affinity for football, there is a place that your child is going to have territory. Uh, what the offensive line group will say. And they're going to have relationships. And so one of the things is, you know, is to think it's not just as, as your child, you know, is, is um, practicing and, you know, training and all this kind of stuff to communicate like, hey, this is not just for your glory. <laughs> it is, I mean, hey, try, trying your best honors the Lord. I, I, yeah, I, I think that, I think that um, you know, my I say this a lot. My father-in-law had a, a dental practice, and he'd have people who come in and they interview and like, "Oh, I'm all Christian. I'm all Christian." They do a terrible job. They don't do. They don't take care of any of their responsibilities. That's not honoring, and glorifying the Lord. <laughs> um, the person who doesn't, who's not a good steward of the gift that God's given them, that doesn't really honor the Lord. Um, and so, but to say like, "Hey, you have these gifts. You're in this place. 
yeah, try your hardest. That's a God-honoring thing to do. Try to be your best. That, that serves the team. And like, don't overlook the fact that you're in this place that has inherent built-in relationships where you can love and serve and care for the people around you. you know? And so this is, again, a very, very much a different mentality. It's not all about like, you getting the scholarship. Hey, that might happen. You know? That may happen, and that then would just be a reflection of the next place that God has put you. We have the woman teaching senior house Sunday school today. She was, like, uh, she was on the track team at Clemson for two years. She was number two in the ACC as a, as a, um, as a I think, a mile and two-miler. She's a phenomenal athlete. And she had relationships on the track team at Clemson. Uh, and so God gave her such high gifts that that, that, that was just an, in, that's not an indicator of her being better or lesser than anybody else. That's just an indicator of where God placed her to love and serve those around him and to honor and glorify the Lord. Um, and, so, um, and so you can see here this last verse, it says, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him being glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. And so it's so freeing. It's, think, about this. think about how much more freeing this mentality is. It's like, here's my child. God has made them a certain way for a certain reason. And, um, and we're just going to see where it is that the Lord um, calls them. And in those places where the Lord calls them, you know, it, it is an expectation to be a good steward. You know, if you're taking piano lessons to like to practice and do your best, right? That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a godly thing to do. Um, and it's not all about the end product. So much of it is the place, the place, the relationships, and our focus being on the Lord. And, and as compared to like, you've got to be the best, like the tiger mom mentality, um, where, you know, because in that mentality, it's all about focus on ourselves. It's all about our performance. And it's about us having to push ourselves to the next place rather than just, you know, through the Holy Spirit being, being taken and led uh, and drawn, there's just so much more peace and restfulness in that. And that's, that's indicative of the gospel. Um, so much more meaningful to be thinking about like, hey man, don't be so, so worried about whether you strike out or, you know, hit a home run. Like, do your best. That's good. And like, you're in the dugout with people on the team. There are people who are going to fail and you have an opportunity to like encourage and lift them up. Like, there's the baseball equipment has to be cleaned up after the game. Like, be the person who is, who is like on the front line and is always is, is like cleaning up and being a good servant of the team. Like it's not, it's, and when we do that, like when we're focused on the other person, it's just so, so freeing and life-giving to be living a life of love. Perfect love casts out fear. That's from 1 John. All right, so last thing here. We're going to go now to 1 Corinthians 12. We've got a lot of scripture in. A lot of scripture in today. Uh... 1 Corinthians chapter 12, um, I'm going to read this relatively quickly, but this, is, this is, might be a, um, a passage that's familiar to you, has to do with um, the body of Christ. And so Paul is using this metaphor about how we're all made um, with different gifts uh, and abilities for the sake of the whole body. Uh, so starting out, it says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know when you were pagans, Somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you 
to know that one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So look, again, he's making, as he's talking about gifts, like in 1 Peter 4, he talks about the, you know, being a steward of the gifts that God's given you. And then here, uh, but, but he starts out identifying like the worldly mentality. And like, hey, there's a contrast. The way we think about gifts is different. And so he does that again here in verse 2 when he says, when you were pagans. He's saying, that's not how we think. Like, we think in terms of the kingdom of God now. We think in terms of scripture and the spirit of Christ. Okay, so therefore, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. I mean, we all know there's kind of this hierarchy when you're a kid. Of, of like different positions, different things. Like, oh, you know, like I didn't get the lead in the play. I'm just on the stage crew, you know, or, uh, you know, I'm not a starter. I'm just on the team. Just, there's all this kind of hierarchy and it's very, very normal for our kids to, um, for our kids to kind of like evaluate themselves, um, evaluate themselves relative to the performance of other people, right? And so, this is totally smashing that, uh, that hierarchy, that way of kind of you know, people who are, are better performers are you know, more important or more valuable. And unfortunately, that's kind of how the world tends to, tends to relate to people. It's like the kid who's a great student gets all the attention or the kid who's the quarterback you know, is celebrated and like the kid who's maybe just kind of in the middle it kind of slips through the cracks, doesn't, isn't, isn't quite as celebrated. And so what is being said here is that like everyone is made the way they are for the purposes of the Lord in the world. And, um, and there, there's, there's no A team or B team or C team. So this is, very, this is a very helpful thing to over-communicate to your kids. Um, uh, yeah, to over-communicate to their kids. You know, whatever, however, however it is that you're made and wherever it is you're led, like that has equal value to the starting quarterback, so on and so forth. All right, so now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Again, that language of love, language of the benefit of those around you, the benefit of, for the glory of God. To one, there is given the Spirit. Now, he's going to get, these are spiritual gifts, and this is a whole nother, this is a whole nother lesson, but um, he's going through different gifts of the Spirit within the church. So he says, to one, it's given the, a message of wisdom, to another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that, by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between the spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. Okay, so what this is majorly reinforcing as, and, and that we want to over-communicate to our kids, is um, that like God has made you a certain way with certain abilities, and it is for his glory and it is for the love and service of those around you. And, uh, and that's like, that is a, you know, with all the identity struggles and all the insecurities that come with being a kid, um, and all the fear that we have of kids not making the cheerleading squad or this, that, and the other, not getting into the college, all this kind of stuff. It's like, no, you were made with these gifts and these abilities. He determined that for his purposes. And so there is a, 
um, a healthy biblical self-acceptance that comes as a product of this. Um, just, as, just as the body, though, one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. So we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many parts. And so um, it's hard, and we have a very, very individualistic uh, culture that we live in. Um, but this is like really life-giving to think that you know, we are all on God's team. <laughs> we are all on God's team. We all have a role to play. Uh, there is this word in science. I haven't taken science since I was a junior in high school. I was a terrible science student. Oh, it's um, uh, irreducible. Somebody help me. Someone who's better at this stuff. It's basically you have to have a certain number of parts for it to work. And if you take out one, um, irreducible simplicity. I oh, can't remember. Anyhow, the basic point is like for an eye, like for an eye to function, there are a certain amount, a certain amount of essential parts to an eye. And, and, and if one, like you get down to that point of irreducible whatever, um, to where if you take out one more part, it, d- it doesn't function. And so, you know, to say that that's, that's, a way, that's a way of thinking about the body of Christ in the sense of like, we all have a purpose. We all have gifts. We all have abilities. And like, we're all on that team. And, um, and yeah, and, so, and the God, ha- God has a purpose in our lives. I have to say, this, I'm not to throw shade here, but one thing we've observed with teenagers their lives are kind of meaningless. So we're studying the book of Ecclesiastes right now. Sorry, this sentence sounds really critical, really judgmental. But I mean, like, life is kind of like school and, you know, I mean, sorry, there's just a lot of it. And, and, and hey, you know, there, you know I, I'm sure I was no more, had no more sense of purpose for me. But, but all that to say, like, there is so much meaning um, in our, in, just in our creation. There's so much meaning um, in our life with the Lord. And you know, how much more life-giving is it when we think about, like, going to school or going to the team, going to the practice, like, being in this class, you know, babysitting for this family, whatever it may be, how, like, man, that, that is not just, like, going through the motion, but this is, a, this is a sacred place that God has made you with a purpose. And all the people around you are, like, people to love and serve. And every, every moment is an op- every moment holy. There's a book called that. Every moment there's an opportunity to glorify the Lord. That's meaningful. Like, that that actually makes English and calculus and um, all these kind of things have some, some more life than just having to go through the motions and, and, and check the box. And so at the end, it says, now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? So part of this, one thing I will say here, and this is more for the parents, that we have to be aware of is our own idolatry, our own insecurities, our own false identities, and how that plays into where we direct our kids. And this is before I was in ministry. This is not, this is, I'm not like telling a story about someone in our church um, but this is a story from like 25 years ago. And, um, and so this family that we knew, um, the daughter had made the cheerleading team and the mom 
who was a really toxic person, um, the mom, sorry, uh, the mom was like, she's finally found her place. She's finally found her place. You know, we're just really thankful. And well, the mom was a cheerleader at Texas. And the mom would like go to all, every year, would go to the Texas cheerleader reunions. And the mom had been like pushing the kid. It's like, there was not an option. Like, you're going to be a cheerleader. And, and it wasn't, the child didn't really have any autonomy, any discretion in this, or any, any say or determination in this decision. And it was just kind of ironic of like, oh, we finally found our place. Like, no, you finally like shove that, you know, uh, square peg into the round hole, you know? Um, and so we have to be really aware of that, um, that our, you know, our, our kids are not us. Our kids are made uniquely by the Lord for his purposes. And so it's very easy for us to kind of like want to impose things on them that may not necessarily be consistent with their design. Um, and my kids are, are, the things they're into are pretty different than, than mine. I, I have two kids and they're, who are into music and I'm so pumped about that. I never, I was not a musician. Um, and uh, it's just really cool to like see my child, one of my kids play the drum, the other one play, play the piano. And um, it's been so cool. I'm like, hey, like, this, my child has, my, my, these two kids have musical gifts that neither their mother or father had. And, and that is indicative of where, you know, where might the Lord go with that, you know? My child might be in, uh, glorify the Lord in a rock band one day. Who knows? Um, but, um, but anyhow, so, yeah, so we just have to be suspicious of our own idols um, and to make sure that we're prayerfully walking with our child to get a sense of what they're interested in, like what the Lord has put on their heart and what their gifts are. Um, and so that, so that we're not, we're not, it's, it's God who's calling, it's not mom and dad who are calling. So to land the plane, a couple conclusions, just, this is just a beautiful part of parenting. It's just to see the, you know, the workmanship, um, the workmanship of who this precious person is and how the Lord has designed them and, and all of the beauty and the dignity and the purposes in that. Um, and so that's something we kind of want to do prayerfully and do like in conversation and walking alongside our child. Second thing is our idols get in the way of this. I already hit on that, but whether it's our idols of like our own successes, our own insecurities, um, or our idols, like our fear in terms of money and status and things like that, that can majorly get in the way of, you know, of really just um, thinking about our child's life in terms of calling um, rather than operating out of kind of fear and cultural idols. Third, whoops, messed up on the numbering there. As Christians, we think differently about our children's vocation and future. The focus is not wealth, comfort, and status. We think with humility and with focus on the glory of Christ and the kingdom of God. Not to snitch, but I, I've, I'll just say it, turn off the mic. It's been a hard thing. I'll say a hard thing about my career is when I have kids who are really faithful, love the Lord, they go to college, and they come out, and they want to go do a mission stint. Like, they want to go be a missionary in China. They want to go be a missionary somewhere. And, um, or they're thinking about ministry. And their parents are like, we didn't pay all this money for you to go over to China and to share the gospel. <laughs> like, you're going you're, you're gonna to go into a professional field. And, and you know, I, I, I shouldn't be judging from the outside, but that, that would be an example of, like, worldly, of getting in the way, of, of, not, of not thinking about your child's life in terms of the kingdom of God. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, really the determining factors, what is God calling them to do. Um, and, you know, prayerfully being behind that. And finally, um, our gifts and talents often dictate the places where our children live, dwell, and have their being. And those, are often are the, those places often have relationships where they love their neighbor and glorify God. I'd say that's the bottom, I think that's probably one of the bottom line things here, 
is to help your child see their interests and their gifts as, uh, as an indicator of where of the territory that God has given them as an image bearer. And then to always reinforce um, that, hey, that, in that territory, like we're called to love and serve the person around us and to glorify the Lord. Uh, and there's so much purpose in life um, in that. That's, that's, so, that's inspiring. That really gets us out of bed in the morning and gives us meaning in our life. So there you have it. That's, um, that's all I have for today. I'm going to say a quick prayer. Uh, if anyone has any questions, want to stand around the water cooler, happy to do so. All right, God, um, thanks. We're just so grateful that we have children. And we're so thankful, Lord, that every life has, every life has value and purpose in your economy. Um, and so free us, God, from the, just the fear and the compulsions of the world. And help us to walk in the freedom of the kingdom and the freedom of Christ's finished work on the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.